If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter number two, Philippians in chapter number two, we're going to read about uh, the fact that he gave his life for us. <clears throat> Philippians in chapter number two. Our series is entitled Countered by Joy. Um, obviously, the book of Philippians is often known for its joy and, and rightly so. I mean, there's several references to rejoicing, to joy itself. Uh, but the more I studied the book of Philippians, really, uh, the more I see that Christ is really the central theme of the book of Philippians, which I guess their case could be made that Christ is the central theme of the Bible, which would be the case. Um, but certainly here in the book of Philippians, in fact, uh, Christ or Lord or Jesus is mentioned 34 different times. And so it's got a it's the highest repeated uh, reference in the book of Philippians. And so we're going to read about that once again here. Countered by joy is our theme. And, and we're really focusing in on the, the unity that ought to exist within a church family as we get uh, back into it here tonight in Philippians chapter number two. It is good to have all of our guests here tonight. Trust the service to be a blessing to you. And, and uh, Miss Lucy Smith has her son Eric here tonight. That's a real blessing. Sure glad about that. And others uh, maybe have some friends or family members. We're sure glad to welcome you here as well. Okay, uh, Philippians 2, let's just begin in verse number 1. We're going to read through verse number 11 and uh, some familiar verses, but I don't know that we always put them in their context, and so it's really going to help that we should do that. So look at it in verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Paul says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of, of, of one mind. Everybody see the unity in those verses? He's hoping that, praying that for them. He's given a report on how he's doing. That's part of the reason why he's writing them, to give them that, that feedback on how things are going for him. But he's, he's, got, he's got some concern for them. And so we're going to see that in verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or what? Vainglory, empty glory. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Amen. Yeah. Let this mind be in you. What mind? Well, the mind that's in verses three and four. Let this mind be in you. Let that mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he begins to describe Christ Jesus in very lofty terms. When he says, who... Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if you allow, just the beginning of verse 12, he says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he goes on, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But the key word there is, as you have obeyed, as you've been submissive, then let that continue. But he's building off of something that he is, he's conveyed here. And so, uh, again, verses three and four, I think, are pivotal. They are key to our understanding of this particular passage that we are uh, to be mindful of others, to esteem others better than themselves and not to look every man, every, every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, listen, the fact of the matter is we have not arrived at that state. And so we need this passage and the application of the passage. And so this is really a part two. So I would like to do some review tonight. And that's not code for take a nap. That's, that's, uh, that's just saying, hey, uh, we got we to gotta get all of this together. We split it up because there's so much material there. And so this is a part two of the title, The Mind of Christ in Today's Christian. The Mind of Christ in Today's Christian uh, the last time we considered this, we considered the danger of having a high view of Christ, but a low version of Christianity. A high view of Christ, but a low version of Christianity. Tonight, I just want you to consider this. A high view of Christ leads to humble service. A high view of Christ leads to humble service. Well, if you're in Christ, you ought to be like him. If you're not like him, analyze, first of all, are you in him? Because if you're in him, there ought to be something about the way Jesus lived that is showing up in the way that you lived. And we can't get away from the fact that he lived for others. He lived for others. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's consider this together here tonight. Obviously, when we think about uh, service, our minds maybe would run to some uh, type of ministry or acts of kindness and helps. And, that, and that's, that's certainly involved in that. But it's bigger than that. It's, it's more than just the acts of serving, uh, which I believe God has saved you to serve, you know. And uh, we come together on a Wednesday night here in the middle of the week just in many ways just to get recharged and go into the latter part of the week with, uh, you know, with a re uh, renewed battery, so to speak, spiritually, just to keep serving. Um, but sometimes we can just think, well, I do my Christian service, you know, when I am at church and, and I'm thankful for that. We have at the end of this month taking AIM Sunday, that's adults in ministry, not that we don't want teens in ministry or children in ministry. I'm glad we've got young men and young ladies alike that are serving the Lord um, but every one of us ought to have our place in ministry. But it's, it's larger than just those times of uh, Christian service. 
It's a way of thinking. It's, it's, a, it's a way of looking at life. And, and I want to ask you tonight, do you look at yourself as a servant? As a servant to serve others? Are you looking for those opportunities? Now, since he's dealing with the local church, I think it is right that we would start in the local church ministry, but it does certainly go beyond that. Um, but we can, uh, we can have a wrong mindset when it comes to church ministry. Um, some may say, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to volunteer because if I do just one time, and that means I'm going to be volunteering for the rest of my life every week, you know, so I don't want to, I don't even want to say yes for one time because it'll be spe expected uh, forever. Some of you have been at Southwest. Saturday and Sunday, those are my only free days. Wait a minute. When did they become your days? Would you think of that? I'm just trying to help us all have the mind of Christ here tonight. When did they become your days? When did Sunday become your day? I thought it was the Lord's day, right? Um, they don't need me. They don't need me. There's so many others serving there. It's a wrong mindset. It's a wrong mindset. Um, or they really need me. That, <laughs> that's the other extreme of that. But it can also be the wrong mindset. They don't want me. That's not true. That's not true. They don't want me there. They don't want me to serve. They, they don't want, that's, that's that woe is me attitude. That's not true. We do want you. Well, mainly the Lord. The Lord wants you to serve. There's not enough to do. There's plenty. There's too much to do. You got that right. We need help. <laughs> I've got too much going on. That might be the first true thing you've said tonight. I've got too much. <laughs> sorry. I've got too much going on. Maybe you do have too much going on. Make sure that you've got time to serve the Lord, right? Right? Yeah. Got too much going on. I'm afraid I'll get sick if I serve. <laughs> well... It's life in America right now, right? Around the world too. I might get embarrassed if I try to help that person. Have you ever tried to help somebody that maybe, you know, doesn't understand church things and they're loud and, and, and such, and you get embarrassed by that? I, or I, it may be in public or at work and, and you say, I, I'd be embarrassed. What would people think if I took time with them? Well, what did Jesus do for you? It's too hot. Amen. I almost want to say, I, don't, I have become a wimp. I told my wife, I, I don't know when I have liked or hated hot weather less. I, it's just, it's, thank you. I feel better. I mean to tell you, I don't know what has changed, but it's too hot. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's football season. And I learned in a hurry. We, were, we, we picked the wrong day to move into Oklahoma City. We were literally unloading and, and the church staff was there, but every one of them had, you know, earbuds in or something that was uh, listening to the game. I had no idea, you know, that uh, OU, uh, well, the 11 o'clock game didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even cross my mind. It crossed theirs. <laughs> it's football season. Now it's baseball season. Now it's basketball season. It's hunting season. It's fishing season. There's all kinds of excuses, right? 
I don't have enough experience. I don't think I can do that. I, I, I don't think I should. Let's, let me let somebody else that's got more experience or more knowledge do that. Or I'm overqualified. I'm too good for that. Oh, there's wrong mindsets. They don't appreciate what I do. Down there at that church, they don't. It's always down there at that church, don't you know? They don't. <laughs> some of you got that good. They don't appreciate what I do down there at that church. Do so much, it goes unrecognized. God does. He recognizes what you do. Um, I'm not going to get involved if I can't have a certain position. Hmm. Um, I would serve, but I don't like people. <laughs> you are an honest person. It's <laughs> good. I would serve, but I don't get along with certain people. I would serve, but I'm tired. I think I'll quit. <laughs> Aren't you glad the Lord didn't quit? Amen. Now, look, we all get tired. We get weary. We do. I understand that. And our Savior got tired. He sat by the well side, didn't he? And and yet he kept going. He kept serving. I'm talking about a biblical mindset. I got hurt in church ministry. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't stop serving? He got hurt. He was hurt in many different ways. But he kept serving. I, I'm just saying, and I guess we could go on, but there are many ways that we have a wrong mindset. But the bottom line is really this. I don't want to serve others because I want to serve myself. Now, we all struggle with that. We all struggle with that because we're all made of the same stuff. But uh, we, need, we need the mind of Christ. With his mindset, you'll be a faithful servant. Without his mindset, you will serve yourself. You will. We've got a contrast here. We've got a sharp contrast that we're going to build up to and, and how that he took such a low position, but then he is also now in such a high, in fact, the highest position the, of highest rank. But Paul was concerned about the Philippians and, and perhaps in your study of Philippians, maybe you're like me and this is something that you knew was in there, but maybe, maybe we didn't just take into account that it's so prominent on Paul's mind as he's writing to this church that he loves so dearly that he wants them to be unified. Uh, this morning we have a, at the beginning of each month, we have a ex, kind of an expanded staff meeting. We meet uh, for a staff meeting every, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Saturday with the pastoral staff. But on the first Wednesday of the month, we bring in Brother Troy, who's taking care of the maintenance, Brother Darren, that's taking care of, of the cleaning, and, and Brother Jonathan, that takes care of the IT stuff and, and um, the nerdy stuff, and, and Brother Kevin, that takes care of the, uh, of the buses and, and also the landscaping. And so we just have a sit down, and we look ahead at the month and, and talk about, you know what, Rooms are needed and what uh, vehicles are needed and all those things. And it, it, I just got to tell you, it's a blessing to sit around the table planning and trying to serve the Lord's church here with men that are like-minded. Now, we're all different. We're all big time different. But there's unity there. I mean, there's some ribbing that takes place. You know, it's Southwest. It's part of the culture. 
And so I'm not preaching this tonight because there's some big unrest that's here, whether in the church staff or whether it's within the ministries of Southwest. I pray that God would use this to be just very preventative and very helpful to all of us because I'm telling you, Satan would like nothing more than to get into this church and to cause some divisions within this church that would hinder the progress of the ministry because there is truly so much to do. And he's given the commission to the local church and he would love to, to get you on the sidelines somewhere where you're not really engaged in serving or thinking about others. And I, again, I realize that, local, that ministry goes beyond just the, the confines of the building. It goes into your family. It's a way of life. It's a way that you ought to be thinking about others. It ought to affect the way that you go to school as a, as a young person here in the metro area or in a college or at a workplace. And, and so we've got to have that mind of Christ because otherwise we end up just serving ourselves. And then there's strife that would, would come from that. And so it's always important. And by the way, we're all in the same fight against the flesh and we need one another. We need the encouragement that can come, the sharpening that can come from one another. And so Paul is writing to them and he gives the basis of the unity in verses one through four and, and uh, really in verse number one and two of, of chapter two of, of Philippians here is he's saying, if there be any consolation in Christ, and obviously the idea is that there's, there's ample encouragement encouragement. There's ample consolation in Christ. And so if here's, here's the, the point, if we're not experiencing unity, it's not because God is insufficient. It's because we've allowed somewhere, are you listening to me here tonight? If there's somewhere where you don't have good unity with another brother or sister in Christ or somebody even within your family or another member of the church or a friend, if there's somewhere that you're not having good unity, somewhere the culprit of pride or selfishness or a combination of those two has slipped into your way of thinking. And that's what was going on in Philippi, and Paul knew this. Paul knew that as the pressure of persecution was mounting, that pressure was only going to reveal the weakness of the church. And so it was essential. It was essential that they would be unified together as a church family uh, because of the work God's given them to do, but also because of the pressure that would be coming to them from the outside. Now, I believe it stands to reason that because of the pressure that comes to us from the outside, it's absolutely essential that as a church family that, that maybe we could even say it this way. It ought to always be this, this way, but maybe we could even say so much the more right now, we need to be unified. We, we've got to be unified. We, we cannot um, grow satisfied with just kind of status quo and just kind of act like everything's okay if it's not, or somehow to get just satisfied that, well, I mean, we're just kind of going through the motions. Just, oh, I pray that God would help us and deliver us from just doing church, but would help us to be the church that he wants us to be. And thus that, that way there are relationships and friendships that are being built. I mean, you know, tonight, I mean, we're getting ready to have the adoptive student program. That's a fantastic ministry and a great opportunity and a great way to serve as you would have somebody in your home that's different than you and get to know them and feed them. That's a great way to serve. Here at the end of the month, you know, we're going to have the, the, um, the family fall festival. Festival and, and you can serve little kids and serve uh, families and it's a great way to get involved. But, but even just the, the week by week interaction that we have with one another, that's a way to serve one another. 
And to really love one another. I mean, really just get down to where, you know, I'm not saying being cheesy about it and just going around to everybody saying, hey, I love you, man. I love you, brother. I mean, if you, I mean, say that. There's nothing wrong with you saying that. Hey, I just want to tell you, I, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you. I'm glad God saved you. I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad we're in the same church family. I'm glad we have the opportunity to serve together. I'm glad we get to sing together, aren't you? I'm, I'm glad we get to be in the choir together if you're in the choir. I'm glad we get to work in the bus ministry together. I'm glad we get to teach Sunday school together. I'm glad we get to win souls together. I'm, I'm glad we get to disciple lost sinners and help see them saved. And not only that, but also to see them grow in the Lord. What a blessing, what a privilege we have as a church. Let's not, anything, let's not allow anything, any kind of a, of a strife or a vainglory to kind of slip its way in. Well, I'm not getting the attention that others are. Man, I'm telling you, Satan could do some damage right here. Or I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. Um, let this mind be in you. This mind. Uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Um, see that every man esteem others better than himself. Better than themselves. Who are you thinking about right now? <laughs> Who are you thinking about? I know, hey, listen, I know it's Wednesday. It's been a long day. Some of you haven't eaten yet. And uh, you may be thinking about how hungry you are. That's natural. I understand that. But, uh, but think about others. Come to church not just to give, but to give. To say, God, would you help me today? Help me to be sensitive. Help me to be aware of somebody that needs a word of encouragement. I'm telling you, you can make a difference in somebody's life. Just give them a word of encouragement. Esteem others better than yourself. Um, Paul is concerned about them and he's, he's building up to something. He's going to say to them, to two women that were having a problem, be of the same mind in the Lord. Well, what mind do you think he's talking about? It's that mind of Christ. Because here's his point. If we have the mind of Christ, we will be thinking about each other. Do you see that? If we have the mind of Christ, we'll be thinking about each other because Christ is thinking about all of us. So if I have the mind of Christ, then I'm going to think about others. In fact, I'm even going to do this. I'm going to set aside what I want to be able to serve others. Because it, it may be hot, but let's apply this maybe say to visitation. Yes, it's hot. Okay, no, no question about that. I'll never forget at camp. Um, as uh, they were doing one of the skits and, and uh, one of the young men came on and gave the weather report. Here's his weather report. It's hot. That was it. It's hot. Well, sure it's hot. But if I can set aside the fact that it's hot and get out there and knock on some doors or go visit some people or I'm a Sunday school teacher and I know I need to visit my role, but it's not just I'm going to do that out of obligation, though you ought to do that out of obligation. I said, you ought to do that. You ought to visit your class because you're a teacher. Amen. Amen. Well, this is going over fantastic, just like I planned. You're a teacher. You ought to visit your class. But it ought not be you ought to just visit your class because you're obligated to do so. But rather this, I really want to try to invest in those kids. I really want to try to show them the love of Christ. I really want to show them that somebody cares. And I'm not just talking about kids that ride the bus. I'm talking about kids that are right here right now. That you'd visit everybody on your role. Everybody on your role. Church kids, pastors, kids alike. Pastors, kids need visiting. Right? And I'm glad. I mean, our kids have been visited. 
And everybody that's been a Sunday school teacher, they kind of feel weird about it. Hey, preacher, can I come to your house tonight? Sure. <laughs> I want to visit your kid. You know, I want to, I want to visit. I want to show them, hey, every, I'm telling you, everybody on the roll needs to be visited. That takes the mind of Christ to do so. Because it's easy to say, oh, man, I'm tired. Man, it's hot. Man, it's cold. Man, the game's on. Man, oh, man. And next thing you know, we're not serving one another. A church, okay, hang on, wait a minute. Didn't the Lord refer to the church as being a body? Does your physical body ever get lazy? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, uh, and sometimes when the body gets lazy, you have to motivate it, right? Now, once you get in a rhythm, then you, it's easier. But, but if that can happen with a physical body, isn't it true that that can happen with a spiritual body in the sense of a local church? It's, it's highly possible that we could kind of slack off on visiting. And we've, I mean, COVID kind of threw us for a loop and nobody's visiting. Um, the command is still the same. We've got to have the mind of Christ on this. Who didn't quit, who didn't, listen to this, who didn't serve just when he felt like it who didn't show up just when he felt like it or didn't show up just when it was convenient. No, he, he was there and he served. We've got to have that mind of Christ. Paul is saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. We, we mentioned it last time that this is, not, this is not in any way indicating that he was ever at a point when he wasn't God. He always has been God. He is God. And so uh, just like we, we said, you know, if I take this water out of, out of this uh, this picture here and I pour it into this cup, then it's, it's really the same in essence, although it's in a different form. Okay. So just because Jesus basically poured himself into a human body does not mean that he was less than God. It's the same essence. He's the same essence. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, if, if something belongs to you, you don't steal it. Right. And so it was not robbery with him to claim to be God. It was not wrong of him to say to the Pharisees before Abraham was, I am because he was. It was not wrong for him to do that. And so he was indeed God, very God deity. Listen very closely here. Deity was not subtracted. Humanity, perfect humanity, sinless humanity was added. And thus you have the union, the divine nature with the human nature, minus the sin nature, of course. But here you have that union welded together, and, and it is the God-man. That's who he is. And he being God, humbled himself, and listen to this, became man. And not only that, but he humbled himself to the point of dying, but not only did he humble himself to the point of dying, he humbled himself to the point of dying on an old rugged cross that would be in a humiliated and one of the most form, I'm sorry, cruel forms of execution known to man, I'm telling you. He humbled himself that far. He was, who was of such a high position humbled himself so low for you and for me. If God, I mean God, very God, was willing to pour himself out for us, shouldn't you be willing to pour yourself 
out for others, even if it wears you out? The answer would be yes. It's true. Because the, the flip side of that is given in the second part, as he's saying in verse number nine, that God also hath highly exalted him. Highly exalted him. That means, that, means this, he's, he's of the highest rank. He has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. I tell you, Jesus has always eternally been the Son of God. There's not a time when he became the Son of God. He always has been the Son of God. And so here it is, he's saying he's highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now, now wait a minute. I don't know if you or maybe are on the Bible reading plan, the church, the one that's in the bulletin and such. But if you are, then you read Isaiah chapter 45. In fact, I'd encourage you to go back to chapter 45 and read. And read for your own self, verse number 21, 22, and 23, where Jehovah God is speaking. And Jehovah says, the Lord, all caps, anytime you see capital L-O-R-D, all caps, that's Yahweh, that's Jehovah. Jehovah is speaking and he says this, I am God and there is none else. There is none else. There's none else beside me. And then in that same context, he goes on to say, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He is God. He's referred to as, as the Lord. He's referred to as God. And he's referred to there as Savior. And then in verse number 23, it says this, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess to me. So listen, hang on, don't miss this, please. Because the terminology that is used of Jehovah God, the terminology that is used of the Savior who said there is none else, there's no other God, that same terminology is applied in Philippians chapter number two and Romans chapter number 14 and verse 11 to our Lord and Savior, the great God, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way around his deity. That's what Paul is saying. What is said about Jehovah, so Jehovah's Witnesses, this will really mess up their theology because Jesus is indeed Jehovah. Amen. It's not like there's another God. And if, if others are bowing before him, he's receiving worship and he's receiving those that would be submitted to him. And, and so there's two categories there. We'll get to that in just a moment. But, but listen, I'm telling you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, because right now, I mean, at this very hour, would you please picture in your mind for here just a moment that all the redeemed that have already died and gone on, their bodies in the grave, but their spirit soul, they are before the Lord, bowed in humility before him and praising him. I'm telling you, he's receiving worship because he's God. Amen. Amen. So what is applied to Jehovah is applied to Jesus that's saying he's the self-same one. Every knee should bow. Every tongue confess. What's the extent of his sovereignty? What's the extent of his reign? What's the extent of his glory? I say to you tonight that he is of universal glory. That everything in heaven, everything on earth, everything under the earth will, should bow the knee and profess or proclaim or confess, rather is the terminology, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. What is that saying? Well, Everything that is heaven, those that have already gone on, and all the angelic beings, those that are on earth at the time of his coming will acknowledge who he is. And even those that are under the earth, you say, what is that under the earth? Those that are in hell, those that have died, those that are lost, they themselves, are you listening to me here tonight? They themselves, they won't bow in worship, but they'll bow in submission to acknowledge this, you are who you said you were. Yes. Amen. 
They've lived their life in rebellion. The agnostics, the atheists, the Hitlers, the, the dictators of this world, they've done so much damage. Satan himself, someday, according to the text, will bow and acknowledge you are Lord. That's right. Now, here's, here's a good point to make. You can either bow now in, in, in humility and receive salvation or bow later in condemnation. But Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't have to pass the Senate. It doesn't have to pass the House. It doesn't have to be ratified by the president. I'm telling you, he is Lord and every knee should bow. That's right. Amen. And that's the one we serve. Amen. Amen. So if, if we serve him and we, we understand this, this is where we're so finite, right? That we, that we can't even wrap our brains around that, that, that he is of such great Excellence, supremacy, majesty, reigning and ruling now, currently, and will reign forever. And you and I get to serve him, and yet we're bickering about some petty thing that's going on? Are you listening to me? And again, I'm not preaching with anything in mind, but maybe you got alt with somebody that's here. And maybe it's a serious situation. I'm not trying to take away from the situation that, that is at hand. Maybe there definitely is sin. There's wrong involved in that. And you're disappointed in the way that this person's handled this or that. Are, are you allowing that to keep you from serving the Lord? The one who is seated on the throne, the one to whom every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Hey, listen, don't let the petty things of this earth keep you from serving him. Don't let the conditions of this world and the conditions of, of the human heart keep you from serving the Lord. Paul's saying, you need the mind of Christ. And if he who is of the highest possible position, there's none higher than he. He is the object of our adoration and the object of our worship. If the one who is the highest was willing to pour himself out in the lowest form of service possible, should not you be willing to humble yourself and to say, Lord, I want to serve others like you did. I want to get my mind off myself. It's hot. <laughs> Do the buses have air conditioning? No. Wind is down and 40 mile to 50 mile an hour. That's about it. You get home Sunday afternoon about 2 o'clock sometimes. But why is that a big deal given what he did for us? What time do you have to be here for the choir? 4.15. Is that right? 4.15. Would it help to be a little bit early? Four? Okay, good. Is that, you get here. Yeah, good. Okay. Four o'clock, 4.15. You know what that is? That's International Baptist nap time. I mean, most Baptists are taking a nap right there. We're watching football. So you got to break away. Football season? you got to break away. Brother Aaron, is that what you're expecting? <laughs> you slave driver. you got to break away from your nap early to get here for choir. God bless all your choir members. 
Thank you for being willing to serve. Thank you for being willing to do that. We benefit from it every single week. But, but never lose sight of this. You're not doing it just for man. You are doing it to serve others. It is a great service to others. But you're doing it to serve the King of Kings whose name is above every name. It's a wonderful opportunity. And I don't have any belly aching going on from the choir. I'm not saying that because there's some of that going on. I'm just simply saying sometimes we can kind of get in a low attitude about myself. Oh man, I have to do this. No, wait a minute. It's not that I have to do this. I get to. Amen. Get to. This could revolutionize the way that you go to work tomorrow. At the bank, you start serving people because you serve the Lord by serving others. And at the hospital, or in your public school where you teach, or in the factory, when the part's coming down and you're dealing with this, and then you're dealing with that person. You know what person I'm talking about. And God's calling on you. I want you to serve them. And you don't even like them. And they've made it clear they don't like you. And God's calling you to serve them. Here's what you do. Humble yourself like He did. And serve. And then you go home and you're tired and you think, I'd like just not serve anybody else. <laughs> and there's opportunity to serve at home. And you want to help out around the house. Gentlemen, We can help out around the house. Run the vacuum. Right? Do something like that. I just had lunch with one of the men of the church and they're talking about how they, they run the vacuum at the house, but they wear their 45 when they do it. <laughs> just so they feel like a man while they're doing that. That's pretty good. I, I may try something like that. <laughs> Whatever it takes, brother. <laughs> helping out with the dishes, helping out with the kids. And moms, your, your service is endless. And you fold clothes and towels and read books to kids for the umpteenth time. You don't even have to look at the words. You've got them right here. You've said goodnight to the moon more than you'd like to acknowledge. And I mean, just... Serving. I mean, I'm telling you, life is about, uh, it's about serving others. And, and there's opportunity, you know, man, just go out and, and, and mow somebody's yard. Go make a visit to somebody and, and, and go care about, make a phone call, send a text, write a letter and, and, and just take somebody out to eat. That's a way of serving. It doesn't have to be, you know, grueling, difficult work. It's just, I got to get my mind off of myself and I got to get my mind on others so that I can Allow God, watch this, he, he poured himself into a body of flesh, didn't he? And then he lives within me. That means he's in a body of flesh in that sense. Don't, don't think I'm getting weird, but I'm just simply saying, here's an opportunity for us to then go and pour myself into somebody else by making a visit, by teaching a class, by caring for others, pouring myself into others. I'm asking you tonight, are you pouring yourself into others. He poured himself out for us. God deliver us from living for ourselves. Let's stand together here tonight. <clears throat> if we'll think like Jesus, we'll be thinking about one another. If I think like me, I'm just thinking about me. If you think like you, you'll just be thinking about you. But would you, sir, would you, ma'am, 
Well, you young person, would you think like Jesus? If we think like Jesus, we'll be thinking about others. Pastoral staff, would you think about others? Think like Jesus does and not think about ourselves? Sunday school teachers? Church leaders? Lord, um, I pray you'd help us with Christ-likeness. There's so many ways we're not, but I'm thankful you don't give up on us. You keep working in our lives to help us to be molded and shaped into the, have the mind of Christ. And Lord, uh, just to be true to the context, Lord, I, I pray that if there is any strife or if there is any vainglory, then God, I, I pray that you'd root that out of all of us, dear Lord. I pray we would not pit one ministry against another or one Christian against another, Lord, but that we would, in humility, just serve one another. Dear God, I pray to help us. Lord, I thank you tonight that there's no one here better than another. And so we can think and esteem each other better than ourselves. And so God, help us with this, I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.